Well, good afternoon. It's Friday. It's Le Mans. It's pretty warm. Uh, lots of music pounding out in a packed pit lane. Uh, and that's even with a goodly so- uh, slice of the crowd from the Le Mans 24 Hours down in the city centre for the infamous driver parade. Uh, this is the Day at Le Mans podcast. Um, but this time it's the weekend sports cars aspect to that thread of the Marshall Pro podcast. Joined by my partner in crime on dailysportscar.com and racer.com, Stephen Kilby, and a special guest joining us, uh, one of my partners in crime on the ACO TV broadcast uh, this weekend, and a familiar face to those of you that love the Le Mans 24 Hours. Welcome to the podcast, Jim Roller. Thank you very much, Graham. It's great to be here on Mad Friday. Oh, yeah, Mad and Friday it is. As typical, this pit lane is packed wall-to-wall with human beings, so it's like we're going to be swimming on the top of the mosh pit as we work our way down pit road. Let's try and go with the flow. We're going to have a wander down, and we're going to have a a chat about what's been an amazing day of news at Le Mans. Uh, We've had all sorts of uh, announcements, six car launches today, um, including, uh, and plus a reveal, uh, a reveal, a tease of the new, uh, new Porsche GTE car that we know will now be part of the FI World Endurance Championship in 2019-2020. Four new LMP3 cars here at the circuit this weekend. And of course, we've had the reveal of both Toyota and Aston Martin's uh, hypercar programmes with two cars, at least from Toyota, at least two cars, and it's slightly different emphasis there from Aston Martin. Hypercar, against many expectations just a few weeks ago, Jim Roller, seems to be a go. Yeah, it certainly does. And today's press conference was interesting for a lot of different reasons, as this pit walk is traditional. The Friday press conference used to be a state-of-the-sport kind of press conference. This time around, however, because this is the end of the super season, it is the launch of the next season. So the all of the announcements were, well, not necessarily groundbreaking. They are pointing towards a very, very positive future. And especially, there is a lot of excitement about the hypercar as it's being kind of officially announced. I guess. I guess it's it's this is the, the it's real now because you've got manufacturers who've verbally committed to go ahead and do this. No matter what you think of this possible formula, it's a go. It's a go, and it's going to be a go from the uh, well year one as originally planned, 2020. 2021. Stephen Kilby, you've been with me on this roller coaster ride through uh, the options, the possibles, the maybes, the definitely aren'ts. Um, it's quite nice to actually get some finality to this. Yeah, it's really good to actually see some concrete rules, to see some programs actually being announced rather than just rumoured. I think the amount of positivity that's come out of the last 24 hours outweighs anything we've had in the last year, doesn't it, Graham? It most, cer- terms. It most certainly does. What aren't we going to get, Jim? What aren't we going to get is we're not going to get DPI into the World Endurance Championship. Well, and we were we were very close to very a, close. to a single formula, but I thought for American fans that it was very heartening that when you spoke to Scott Atherton, he didn't rule out anything. They're still talking, and of course, it's all going to come down to that famous three words: balance of performance. Oh yeah. Because if they can get the BPO, uh, BOP right. What that will allow them to do is bring the hypercars to places like Daytona, and we might be able to see some DPIs over here for this great race. Just passing by the BR Engineering pits, uh, third position on the grid for the number 17 car yesterday evening, and at a lap time, Jim Roller, that 
bettered any time we have ever seen from either Porsche or Audi from a privateer non-hybrid car. That was extraordinary. Well, we had a lot of fun at poor Alan McNish's expense yesterday (laughs) because we were saying he'd never driven around this circuit as fast as some of these cars have driven. There's there's no point in asking him how that feels, is there? But uh, but going back to Scott Atherton's point, certainly wasn't counting it out. What he's saying to us today was no surprises about what was being heard uh, in the press conference this morning. So, in other words, IMSA had been involved in those discussions. They were fully aware of what those conclusions were. And we're not yet, uh, uh, you know, counting out the fact that we might, might see if the balance of performance can be delivered uh, as well as the ACO clearly hope and the manufacturers hope that you might find a performance window that could accommodate something beyond hypercar Stephen Kilby and could that see DPI's uh, competing against hypercars here at Le Mans and could we see hypercars competing against the DPI's at Daytona? Well I think there's certainly interest in it. I spoke to John Doonan at the ACO press conference as well, the head of Mazda Motorsports and he echoed what uh, Scott Atherton said, which is there aren't any surprises with this rule set. But he still says they're always going to be looking at it. They're going to be looking at it close. He wants to bring Mazda to Le Mans. So should an opportunity like that arise, they would be interested because it's a dream of his. He just doesn't have the resources. And I think that's the case of a lot of people. So we'll have to see what develops. But it's certainly a possibility. And there's also been a lot of conversations with folks at Porsche. And if after a year, if these, this formula becomes a reality which I wholeheartedly believe it will, and it is successful, we could see them by 2021. Uh, yes. 2022, sorry. Yeah, you know, with DPI Gen 2 coming on stream, with, we believe, a mild hybrid added to it, there's more that's the same than that's different at the moment. And, you know, with the budgets coming right down for the replacement for LMP1, really, there's lots, of, lots more reasons for it to happen for it not to. Well, and the other thing, too, if you take a hard look at the hypercar rules you'll see that the dpi rules with a little bit of tweaking aren't that far apart you've got a basic purpose-built chassis with a lump of your choice in the back engine wise and that's a lot of what the hypercar formula is about so maybe there is a way that they can get them close enough and i think it's the similarities between DPI and what we've got now with hypercar prototype that's getting a lot of interesting parties involved. I spoke to Huda Schoenack from Orica, I spoke to guys from Ligier, I've spoken to people from BMW's um, program who are running at MTech in WEC, and they're all keen to get manufacturer partnerships done for this formula. They, they think that there's a way in for privateers, there's a way in for you know, private teams to partner up with OEMs and get programs on board. And that's a good way to fund and organise these programmes. What you said earlier, Jim, is absolutely right. The time for cynicism, for now at least, is done. The time to actually make this work is right here, right now, because this is the plan moving forward. So for clarity next year, we'll see effectively what we've got this year. We already know now uh, what the grid is going to be like. We'll come on and talk talk about that in just a few moments. But it will be the final year of the Toyota TS-050 hybrids, uh, joined by... A sextet, at least, uh, certainly for the full season, sextet of uh, the privateer non-hybrid prototypes, mixture of uh, normally aspirated and turbocharged cars. Great stuff to come in LMP1 next year, with the cars closer than ever. Another quick moment about that qualifying session last night. At no point 
in the history of the World Endurance Championship in the fully hybridised era for factory cars have we had a non-hybrid car closer than four seconds to the the pole-setting car. Last night, it was less than a second. Big steps forward. These cars are not a joke. These cars are not slow. These are very rapid race cars indeed, and they're only getting quicker. Well, that goes back to some of the BOP. They, and, and they've got it just about right. They've got it right in prototypes, and we'll talk about GT in a minute. They've really got it right there. Uh, and yeah, uh, one or two of the, uh, the conversations as we're walking all the way down the pit lane here. We're just down now at the final Granny Annex pits. We're going to get to take a walk onto the main track itself, by the way, and have a look at these four new LMP3 cars and get a few impressions for you guys, seeing them perhaps for the first time. But a uh, question being asked from what we saw last night with the non-hybrid, the fastest non-hybrid cars being much quicker in the first sector and uh, also with a higher top speed when we get to the main straights, the hybrid advantage comes in when you've got those heavy braking areas and the hard acceleration out of the chicanes, out of the Mulsanne corner, out of Arnage. Could we see SMP Racing going by the Toyotas in the early part of this race? Ooh, that's a tall order. It could be. I, I think that's a tall order. It could be done, but I think that's... That's uh, a tall order. I think what you're going to see is at least one of those Toyotas backing one of the, uh, backing the SMP car right up at the start of this race in an attempt to keep that from happening. That's hypercar for now. And by the way, we're not calling out uh, questions. We're trying to deal with some general themes here that you've sent in. And thank you again for all of the questions. Uh, should have mentioned, by the way, and I'll say at this kind of middle point, with thanks to Cooper Tyres, with thanks to... Uh, the Justice Brothers and this week Le Mans week we're going to say thank you as well to a partner for this week's uh, festivities and we're just about to go and see their brand new car in a moment Ginetta Cars just now a pit out gentlemen series of awnings ahead of us uh, leading up to Dunlop Bridge part of it is a fantastic collection of historic uh, Bentleys but the first four are four new LMP3 cars, or rather three and one that's not quite there yet. First up is the brand new Ligier. Now, Jim, you've seen this in the IMSA Prototype Challenge in Ligier JSP3 format. This is the new JSP320, already committed to by United Autosports uh, for their campaigns uh, into next year. It's beefier. It's got a slightly different wheelbase. It is new aero. It is new safety. We can see through the screen to the LMP2-style centre bar. Mm-hmm. So big safety improvements, xylem panels, non-intrusion panels, completely different bodywork, 85% of the bodywork difference, and about 40 more brake horsepower in these cars. It looks the part, doesn't it? It certainly does. That was one of the things that when P3 first came into existence, they looked and sound like proper race cars, and that's very important not only to the fans, but for the teams that are going to run these, because these cars are used to learn on for lack of a better term and make the choice as to whether they want to step up so the closer they can make these cars to what they race in the bigger categories is only going to help everybody involved and make for a much more enjoyable race for the fans Stephen, you've already spoken to Pierre Nicolet. This is the first car that's actually seen testing action with that new engine. It's still a Nissan V8, but it's an entirely different unit. And uh, what's Pierre Nicolet had to tell you so far about how well things have gone? I think he's, 
he's very positive. I think they're really pleased to have been the, the first manufacturer known to be out testing. I think that's a big thing for them. They want to show their customers that they're as committed to this as they always have been. A big challenge for them is going to be maintaining the huge customer base they've got of over 100 cars in circulation. Um, but this reset is, is going to show us a lot of things. And until they all hit the track in anger, we're not going to know which is the, which is the chassis of choice. But right now... I think they're pretty confident that they're going to get a lot of customers right off the bat. Now, the the theory behind this is that there is an upgrade kit available. You can upgrade your existing LMP3 car with the Gen 2 uh, kit at a cost-capped level. So it's a really good proposition for someone looking to invest in either your extreme race car or track day car or indeed a race team looking to do some form of arrive-and-drive project with this. There's been all sorts of ways in which these have been monetized uh, through the... Uh, first knockings of LMP3 since 2015. Uh, this car, though, as you quite rightly say, Stephen, has been the, the rip-roaring sales success and lots of race and championship wins alongside. The next car along, though, this is the new Ginetta G61 LTP3. And, uh, well, it does exactly what it says on the tin. The, the publicity material for the Ginetta talks about learning lessons from the LMP1 car that we're going to see back in the, the World Endurance Championship. If you look at the nose of this car, you can see, Jim Roller, the high nose that we see on the, the, uh, the LMP1 car is very much there on this car too. But unlike the other cars, the nice thing about this is it does look a little bit different. One of the things that we've seen in LMP1 because of CAD and computers, when you, when you make the rules box snug enough, the uh, computer... We're going to walk... Oh, we're, we're just going to go straight over there. Hello, Jamie. Hello, Sam from Ginetta. It's yeah. the Yorkshire Mafia right here in force. Yeah, we're inside the velvet ropes with this one. Um, this one, the... the the space between that raised nose and the front fenders is actually much more shallow and it gives it a radically different look than the other cars and I think it's going to make it very noticeable and they must have done it for a reason so it'll be interesting to see how this car performs compared to the others. Remember uh, from the point at which the first Ginetta under Ewan Baldry appeared in 2015, aced that season almost an uncontested run to the title with Charlie Robertson and Sir Chris Hoy Uh, since then we've got a brand new uh, design team on board, Andy Lewis who's had experience with Williams and uh, on the aero for the Porsche 911 you can sort of see that in this car yeah. um, the one thing that's missing by the way from the car we've got presented here there are no dive planes they will be there uh, but this this thing to me just looks trimmed out it just looks like an absolute rocket ship Stephen your first impressions yeah it's an absolute stunner isn't it and I think it's it's easy to forget that with Ginetta's LMP1 program and, and the and what's happened over the last 12 months with that, that it's easy to forget that how much work they've been doing on prototypes. They've not rested on their laurels, have they, since the last LMP3 car. They've done the G57, the G58, the Akula's got some prototype technology in it. The LMP1 has also had a big part in them developing this, this chassis. And I think it shows, because up close, this looks stunning. It really does. It does. I have to say, I've seen some early design sketches of this car, and it, it more than bears it up. Probably forget, by the way, new engine cover... Double, uh, double, double element rear wing as well on this car. That's another part of the additional part of the package together with that boost in power. These are going to be quick cars. Jim? When you're trying to do the description for radio, it's hard sometimes for fans that are familiar with the look of the Acura DPI car. The front 
profile of this Janetta is very similar to that. So that's something that maybe they can visualize. That's what I was trying to describe. That. Yes, that's true. Yeah, it's probably even closer to the Mazda now that you mention it. Well, you know, it's a, it's a funny thing. The uh, Every designer certainly takes cues from other designers, don't they? And they're certainly going to be uh, starting cues all over the place here from Andy Lewis and his team. The cynic would say monkey see, monkey do, but that's... <laughs> <laughs> Well, we'll, we're going to step back over the line here before we step over another line. Um, Next door. Now, this is not the new Norma. The new Norma is not a Norma. The new Norma will be a Duquesne uh, D08. This is one of the Norma M30 show cars with a few additional elements to it. This has been the second big sales success. So, Janetta first out of the box. By the end of 2015, though, the crushing superiority in terms of the ability to actually get cars out in numbers from Ligier began to take hold. That's where the numbers started to come. Uh, so Ginetta sold into double figures before we got into Ligier selling into triple figures. But then along came this car. This is the Norma M30. And Duquesne will heavily revise this car uh, with a new front end, new side pods. Of course, uh, the new uh, engine powertrain package, new safety package is coming on this one too. Double asp- uh, element rear wing, but not this one. This is not the, the final uh, mark of it. So we're going to see something that looks similar but different. The big change here is, of course, the name. It won't be a Norma. It will be Duquesne. That marks the fact that uh, the Duquesne engineering operation have taken ownership of the programme from Norbert Santos and co. And, of course, we'll see them in the great race tomorrow in their LMP2 car. You tend to wonder, by the way, the likes of Ginetta and Duquesne, whether or not they're going to be satisfied with just an LMP3 programme in the future. I don't think they will. I think that, again, this LMP3 format was built as a stepping stone formula, so why not make it a stepping stone formula for the manufacturers as well? This car has the much more traditional, I will call it... Needle nose. Needle nose, raised nose, deep fender wells uh, that we have seen in the past with that kind of bulbous front area where the headlights are with the dive planes coming off of that and then of course that giant splitter out in front well this this marks the kind of state of the art for the current generation of lmp3 cars and i think looking at uh, the two cars next to us the the ligier evolutionary without a shadow of doubt from uh, the jsp3 revolutionary the janetta g61 it's a bigger bigger kind of risk if you like but maybe the gains could be there too stephen yeah, I think it's going to be certainly interesting to see just how different the new Duquesne chassis is because, I mean, as you're saying, the Ligier is, is an evolution. The Ginetta is radically different compared to the original chassis that we saw back in 2015. Will they go for an evolutionary package on a formula that they know so well and that has been so quick, or will they go for something completely different? One thing I am noticing at the back of the, of the Duquesne Norma is... The sweep back of the rear fender puts the legality cheese board, uh, cheese wedge, out a little bit further. On all of the other cars, you'll see that that rear bodywork matches up with the edge, uh, the the, the uh, outward edge of the cheese of the cheese wedge. And in this case, the, it sweeps in leaving more of that wedge exposed. That's an interesting aerodynamic look. But certainly there's been some, some interesting comments made about the, uh, the, uh, the Norma, as was uh, aero package when the M30 was actually launched. I'd be interested to see whether or not they're allowed to actually carry on with some of the more radical elements of that. It certainly caused a bit of a flurry of excitement amongst people who weren't running uh, Normas. Final of the four is the Ades 03 Evo. We've not seen an Ades in uh, racing in anger for some little while, although they have raced both in Europe, well, they've raced 
in Europe, raced briefly in the States and indeed in Asia. Um, it's fair to say that this is maybe a little more boxy in terms of its overall look. A it's, lot more. It's got the traditional, the, sorry, it's got the, the, uh, the uh, Goldwing doors that we've been used to with the desk. It's an evolution of their current design. Um, well, let's wait and see. They're, they've got much more modest targets for this car in terms of sales. They're looking for a couple of good teams, they tell us, Stefan Chausset. Uh, we'll come to Stephen in a moment, who's spoken to Stefan, telling me a little earlier. Um, just a couple of teams they've been looking to, to help them along with the development of this. This is, a, this is an organisation with some modest uh, aspirations for the car. We're going to look, um, by the way, next at a car that is based on this chassis next door, an absolutely revolutionary concept. But Stephen, you spoke to Stefan, and what have you got to tell you about the programme? I think the key message he wanted to, to put forward was the fact that they're going to be very humble with this. They are not expecting to be a Ligier, they're not expecting to produce 100 cars, and he said they don't want to produce 100 cars. What they want to do is get a, a small customer base together in the first year or two of this programme and put so much effort into customer service and you know the, how much value for money you can get out of it. This is a cost cap formula, as we know, but they're going to try and make sure that their package... Um, undercuts the other other manufacturers and the running cost of this is going to be uh, lower than the other three and i think that's you know that that could prove to be a good solution for some of the teams that might not have the resources so potentially the budget option let's have a look at the uh, the other Adesh chassis that's here the other Adesh chassis sits under the full power hydrogen now total backed h24 demonstration prototype this uh, car we've seen it in action already at the test day with demonstration laps we've seen it at spa uh, during the lms weekend last year it will be lapping tomorrow before the great race for a demonstration lap jim roller this is the future it could very well be this is very futuresque we've seen delta wings here we've seen lots of futuresque you know, garage 56 was originally invented we have to call it garage 63 now 63. i guess but yeah garage 56 was invented to help bring forth new technologies whether they be green technologies this is about as green as it gets hydrogen power yep and uh, 2023 2024 is the predicted point at which we'll see a rule set that will include the next stage of zero emissions uh, technology coming to the top class of endurance racing and from what we're being told in the fringes of this morning's announcements that is uh, still very much on track with some pretty heavyweight manufacturer interest in those sorts of technologies and the zero emission the zero emission mission if you like this is the vanguard this is the concept that's there to prove the the, uh, the the idea works and from here on in it tends to be something like a vertical development curve the key to it though is keeping that development at bay uh, to keep the budgets down to the point where you can actually get uh, things done. Just seeing a look across the other side of the uh, H24, Vincent Beaumanil, the sporting director of the ACL. We'll see if we can catch uh, Vincent for a very brief moment. He might be uh, wandering up. I think he might be looking for a colleague. I know he's, uh, he's, uh, he has a... Vincent, you have one moment, just one moment, live uh, to talk about uh, what's been one heck of a day. <laughs> so we've uh, we've heard the uh, the hypercar announcements. Really positive response to that from around the room, with lots of manufacturers involved. Your hard work begins now. That must be a depressing thought. Uh, the hard work has started a long time ago, but uh, I think yeah, we are all f- delighted, of course, today to to have these uh, these announcements and uh, have this real starting point with the new hypercar rules, in which we believe from a long time. We are convinced that this concept 
we'll have a great success to for the fans and the media and all the people who like motorsport. So now the hypercars are a real place to race. One final word before we let you go, because I know you're a very busy man. We're looking at the future here. This is the H24 yeah. demonstration car. That car will be lapping in front of a quarter of a million people uh, tomorrow. It must make you very proud to be part of this. Yes, uh, it's a technical direction in which we believe so much. Uh, it's obviously the, having this car here is a, is a huge symbol and it de- demonstrates the real ambition of ACO to, to bring hydrogen in top class racing, world class racing, and uh, with uh, Le Mans 24 hours. There is obviously still a lot of work to do, but uh, our partnership with uh, with uh, Green GT on this project, uh, 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 Mission H24, is, uh, is is very important to us because it's, it demonstrates the feasibility and it's we are collecting already a lot of data uh, and informations to build the future. So we are delighted for that. Final word is about the other four cars we've got here. It, this is it must make you very pleased indeed after any rule set takes time any rule set takes a lot of effort four brand when, new cars here yeah when we when we launched LMP3 our ambition to have about was to have about 25 to 30 cars <laughs> uh, so today we we start the, the new generation of LMP2 LMP3 with uh, about uh, approximately 200 cars running in the world today uh, and we, we have taken the experience of the version 1 to update these cars. They look fantastic. Honestly, for me, the first time some of them, I, it's the first time I see them in real, and I think uh, the update they've done on the design is really good. Uh, so it's, uh, it's an important day for us because uh, LMP3 is very important. It's the, it's the starting point of endurance racing, and it's what we need to make sure the... the, the, the the summum, the highest path of the pyramid is uh, ha- having great teams. We need to have the bases very strong and LMP3 is, is, is there for that. And particularly good to see two of the pioneers, Adesse and Ginetta, back in the fray and uh, ba- banging yeah. it wheels with Ligier sure. and Duquesne for, for sales there. Yeah, it's a new start. The first phase was a beginning with uh, people not arriving at the same time. Now everybody starts on the same point and we have chosen four great manufacturers and I'm pretty sure it will be a a new uh, very positive step for the category we'll let you get on with your day congratulations on what's been one heck of a day here at the Le Mans 24 hours Vincent and uh, good yeah. luck for the race tomorrow enjoy the race guys thank you one Vance, question, um, yes before indeed before we leave the uh, H24 um, it always rains at Le Mans it does will you get better mileage so I, I actually don't I mean, I've been the <laughs> Egypt that I am I can tell you by the way that at the launch of this car at Spa they were giving the media water bottled which was the exhaust of that car that was all that comes out the exhaust right. it's bottled it's water it's distilled water it's, and it's, yeah. uh, it's, it's an astonishing uh, concept not race ready I think that's pretty clear and um, not to, to, to go uh, to over egg the pudding there was certainly an idea at first that, um, that we might see this car racing this year in the Michelin Le Mans Cup we're not going to see that but we are I think going to see more and more of this car and I think as you look at it there are going to be developments on that car throughout the year Let's wander down again.
No, we're not going to go look at those Bentleys. The Bentley, we'll, wait till, we'll wait till Brian Gush has got us uh, some news for us about a new car. I'll have to come out for historic racing news. Abso- you will have to do that. Absolutely right. I completely forgot to, to name-check historic racing news. I do apologise there. So Selfless plug. Selfless plug. Wandering back down uh, through pit outs under the Rolex arch and by the hockey stick, the, uh, the Michelin hockey stick. A sea of humanity. Sea of humanity. Great day here. Beautiful weather. And uh, you are day of the week. absolutely you are listening to the weekend sports cars. The day at Le Mans uh, on Friday with me, Graham Goodwin, with uh, Stephen Kilby, and with Jim Roller uh, joining as a guest today. And again, thanks to our backers at uh, Cooper Tires at the Justice Brothers. And this week, we've just seen their brand new car. One of two announcements made today uh, by Ginetta. Um, back with a vengeance into LMP racing uh, and that's going to be the next uh, topic of conversation gentlemen we've talked about one of the big announcements that's what's going to happen in 2020 2021 but uh, before that we get to the 2019-2020 FIWC season and we've had again a bit like hypercar lots of kind of moaning groaning naysayers and yes some bad news in terms of the end of the factory programme for Ford in the WEC as promised as, as timetabled but uh, perhaps a little more dramatically, the end of BMW's programme in the WC after just a single season. Uh, but despite that, 33 cars, a 33-car full-season entry, and the promise that we're going to see, I think, multiple entries for race-by-race cars from all over uh, the, uh, the place. We're going to see potentially additional GTA Pro cars at some races, potentially, actually, GTM cars, certainly LMP2s, and we're waiting to see what happens in LMP1. Neither, shall I say, and we'll talk about this when we get further down the pit lane, do I think we've yet seen the final full season entry. I think there's still work going on for what might be an exciting addition. I think so, and I think we may see an AM. We might even see a Ford there. Yep. Uh, I know there are a couple people working very diligently on that. I would find it shocking that the uh, Girard and the WEC folks would turn down an entry from another uh, privateer, obviously an AM, but from another manufactured car. Uh, so I think we may, in fact, see one of those. If I can put just quickly a button on the whole BMW and Ford saga, Ford announced it was going to be a program of this length at the beginning. I think had the BMW pullout not happened, the Ford thing would just be a blip Absolutely. because it's what everybody expected to happen. The BMW pullout is the shocking thing. And frankly, I, I don't get it, but I, uh, I don't work in Bavaria. So. There you go. I mean, uh, I, I've said before on the podcast, the, the, the program as a whole rather disappointed, underwhelmed me. It's a shame to see them go. But so uh, let's talk as we come by about some of these efforts, because these have got relevance to this 2019-2020 uh, entry list. First of them, beyond the Algar Pro team that are on the uh, in pit out, is the Humbo Supermarket uh, backs racing team Netherlands effort with the Dallara. They were well up in uh, practice and qualifying, but they'll be switching with these colours to TDS Racing and an Orica 07 next year with the same driver squad. So Fritz van Erd brings back Nick de Vries, brings back Guido van der Garde, and they will be back with the TDS Racing run, Orica Jim. Well, and that, again, is one of those things where this is a team that is expanding and continuing to grow, and that's the next step in the evolution. Absolutely right. And beyond that, by the way, these cars, this car, will likely be seen uh, in the European Le Mans series uh, next year uh, with the David Tech team that are handling the car at the moment. They're going to have this car handed over to them, and we'll try to actually get some young drivers in from their mm. junior programs to move up the ladder. 
remarkably, next door is another addition to the, the FI World Endurance Championship. Now, Stephen Kilby, um, tell us a little bit about high-class racing. The, the, by the end of uh, this year, we're going to see a remarkable transition from this team, from being a team that was in one-make Renault racing just a few seasons ago, to a team that's got four, a four difference p 2 cars in three ACO championships. Yeah, I mean, the, the expansion of this team has been huge in the past sort of 12 months. We've seen them go from, you know, just a sort of ambitious LMP2 team, stepping into the LMS with Dennis Anderson, their gentleman driver, um, and they're taking it unbelievably seriously, haven't they, Graham? And they're moving up the ranks very, very quickly. Running an LMS, a WC, and an Asian Le Mans programme at the same time is a force, isn't it? It is. Well, they're going to move there to Dolores, we saw in the LMS last year, into Asia. I gather those programmes are close to completion. They bought two Oricas for the start of this season uh, with the LMS. Uh, one of those cars will continue with Dennis Anderson and with Anders Fjordback, but Anders Fjordback will move together with the team into the WC with an as-yet-unrevealed, but known to this writer, um, squad of drivers. Walking through again, uh, nothing to do with the WEC, but just great to see the Asia Le Mans Series LMP2M champions here, ARC Bratislava, with Slovakian national hero Mira Konopka, a man, well, what can you say about the, the level of preparation that Mira Konopka puts in, the physical condition of him? Uh, not a lot, because actually <laughs> he's a bit like me, he's a bit of a fat old bloke. Yeah. But uh, boy, is it great to see Miro uh, enjoying his racing. Next door to that... One of the standout stars, visual stars of the Le Mans 24 Hours this year. We're going to just tap Jim McWhirter on the shoulder while we're just going to have a quick look at his fantastic car. Car is running up in the garage behind us, but Andy Blackmore's livery commemorating some of the things that are special about this great race. Jim Roller, uh, you've not much of a chance to take a, a close look at this, but what do you think? I think it's some of Andy's best work. He's a dear friend of all of us and I got to send out a big shout out to him because this is fantastic it's almost a uh, a camouflage design but it's a it's a I call it the where's Waldo design because he's put in this specific easter eggs gra- yes, yes that's a great easter yeah. egg we've got a picture of Enzo Ferrari we've got the Le Mans Ferris wheel we've got the sign from the auto route to to Le Mans there's all kinds of little hidden treasures. Unless, the the unless, dragon that is that his uh, daughter yep. drew. Kiara has driven the... It's, it's, with dra- her name on it. Absolutely. That's awesome. That's and been paid for wonderful. it. And been paid for it. Uh, we're looking next door now and with the uh, 488 GTE running up. Next up is Dragon Speed. Um, and Dragon Speed, one of a number of teams that are working with us and with our friends in pit lane uh, in this Le Mans 24 Hours week. Uh, to re- just to just to lift the spirits of some friends of ours, Jim. We're going to walk around the back of the car here, get away from the, not that noisy, but uh, get away from the Ferrari. Two cars for Dragon Speed. They will not be returning to the FI World Endurance Championship for a full season. Will stay in the LMS contention. 31 car. Their crew will transfer to Jota Sports, and they are in contention for the championship in the FI World Endurance Championship in LMP2. The number 10 car, this stunning golf livery that's been unveiled as a one-off here at the Le Mans 24 Hours. Um, Dragon Speed under Elton Julian, they don't like ambition, do they? Here, LMS, IMSA uh, and the Indy 500, and they've won races in LMP2 in all three championships that they've contested so far. And they've been very competitive, 
everywhere they race, and they're going to start to put their focus a little bit more towards the Indy 500. So fans in America, look out and pay attention because these Dragon Speed guys know what they're doing, and it's going to be very exciting to see them racing in the IndyCar Series full season next year. Absolutely right. Great golf livery uh, commemorates the three uh, race wins here overall here at Le Mans with these famous colours. This was a surprise to many. Uh, this car appeared at Scrutineering. Very few people knew about the plan. And uh, overnight, it uh, looks to me like uh, Golf have actually delivered a boatload of T-shirts for the guys. They're going to be highly prized if any of the fans can get their hands on those. Stephen, what do you think? We've been with Dragon Speed now for a couple of years in the LMS and in the, the FIWC. Uh, they're looking good. They've not had the easiest of run-ins with the number 10 car, but uh, looking, well, pretty well set uh, to, to try to do what they can do to kick off the Le Mans 24 hours. I think, yeah, I think their LMP1 programme is a little bit of an unknown for this final outing here at Le Mans. Um, it'll have a bit of speed, especially when Ben Hanley is aboard, for instance. But reliability's been their problem and little little errors. But I think their P2 programme has a real chance to win this race, hasn't it? It's been fast all the way through the week in qualifying. It was actually it came as a bit of a surprise. They didn't get pole for some of us in the press room. They know how to run a 24-hour race. They've done it plenty of times before. Will this be another win for the uh, Mexican-flagged red liveried Orica? Well, let's wait and see. Roberto Gonzalez had his dramas in uh, qualifying with that big shunt uh, with the Tota. But uh, Dragon Speed will be fan favourites. We'll say, just a bit of a tease here, this car might not have been here for all sorts of reasons. And the other bit of a tease is, it might have been a different car. That didn't happen. Let's look over the, uh, just over the tensor barrier here to another Ferrari pits. And it's unusual to see a blue Ferrari uh, these days at Le Mans. It's particularly unusual to see a blue Ferrari uh, under the Rizzi Competizione banner, Jim Roller. Um, first, you've done, uh, first time you've seen this, this, uh, this. Well, what can you say? This very unusual aspect to Giuseppe Rizzi's output. Uh, uh, huh? Oh, sorry, I was distracted. Are oh, you distracted by the uh, the fashion model shoot across yeah. at Kessel Racing? I should tell you, sorry it's not not a male model and. <laughs> If Betty, if you're listening, uh, I think she was a redhead. I think so she was a redhead, <laughs> and apparently the leather shorts did it. <laughs> this is absolutely fantastic. French racing blue. It is, uh, part, and it has the prancing horse legs. Uh, it is. I was stunned actually when I saw the press release from Bar Burns. I was like, "What? Reese is never anything but red." And they pulled it off. It's absolutely spectacular. I just hope they can get a little bit better in the race pace yep. so that they can be competitive at the end. It's a different sort, a different look to their race squad. Not factory GT drivers for Rizzi Competizione. Jules Gunon moving over from Bentley for this race only. Uh, and GT3, his first GT drive. Uh, Oli Jarvis will drive anything quickly. And people Durrani the same. Next door to them, it's a two-car team with another pair of stunning uh, special liveries for this race uh, the Kessel Racing team making their debut here at the Le Mans 24 Hours under their own banner uh, the number 83 car the all female crew car with uh, Manuela Gosner, Michel Gatting and Rahel Fry and then the number 60 car, both full season LMS entries and uh, well we thought we might, we thought we might see Kessel Racing appear in the FI World Endurance Championship that's not quite happened yet 
It is Ferrari world here. It just goes on and on. WeatherTech Racing here for the United States with a brand new chassis, a brand new car for this race in the full WeatherTech livery. The gold wheels looks absolutely stunning. Scuderia Corsa have been part of championship winning, oh sorry, uh, race winning efforts here. Clearwater Racing and they also over the end of their adventure in the FI World Endurance Championship. They'll go having had a couple of race wins and uh, run some very big name uh, teams close. They'll finish, unfortunately, without the Chrome Dragon on the car, but still proudly adorning the garage. But uh, Arj and the boys will return home, heads held high after the last of their FIWC adventures for the moment. Car that is still in contention, though, for a championship win is the 54 Spirit of Race Ferrari. They will be another returnee for the uh, great race or the, uh, the WEC next season as will the number 70 car next door 54 at the moment sits second in the order for GTE Am we're going to get a bit of uh, PA interference for the next few minutes so just bear with us yeah the uh, guys at Le Mans do like a loud PA system Jim Roller they certainly do and they like to use it too especially about 7.30 in the morning great stuff AF Corsas two Ferrari 488s the pro class cars not in contention for the championship certainly in contention for the win Car Guy the last of the row of what is that 93 Ferraris that we just walked by but uh, Asia Le Mans Series champions are having their first run here Jim I've been away from this great race for two years it was very interesting as I was doing my prep and taking a look at the entry list and seeing this. This was a reminder of the days when the American Le Mans Series entries would come in. We have the Asian Le Mans Series has become very strong, and the entries that are coming from that series are a great addition to this great race. And it's one of the reasons that we're now able to boast. 61 cars taking the green flag tomorrow and there were 62 ready to go uh, before poor Tracy Crone had his accident. And a remarkable number of those with some Asian Le Mans series heritage whether or not that's using the series as a winter series uh, from Europe or whether or not that's teams coming out there. You're right the thing that's defined that is the quality of those teams with Clearwater Racing with Car Guy and there are more as we'll get to them. We're going to walk a little further down rather quickly past the Rebellion Racing Pits uh, engine woes for those guys yesterday this remarkable pair of art car liveries for that pair of uh, Rebellion R13s Edex Sports, the number 48 car on pole position last year in LMP2 a little further down the order another car that you have to look at very carefully for the win well, on Sunday at 3pm well not least because of the mercurial Paul of Chatan Aston Martin World and a row of four beautiful Aston Martins and happily, of two different uh, types, we've got the two old ladies, we'll talk about them in a moment, and we've got the two new cars. They were new here last year for the Le Mans 24 Hours, and they had one hell of a time there. Qualified last, didn't finish last, finished the race. David King and Aston Martin, very keen to remind me, they've not had a DNF all year with these cars, and pole position for the Dane train, the number 95 car, yesterday, uh, they're in contention for this race, if not for the title. Five seconds improvement from one year to the next. That is stunning and speaks volumes about just how far this car has come. But it also speaks volumes about the quality of Dave King's operation. Just, doesn't it just... We've got to leave the words on 
the old ladies, the number 90 TF Sport car and the number 98 Aston Martin racing cars. For you, Stephen Kilby, you've, uh, your entire career as a sports car journalist has been filled by these cars, the sounds, the sights of these cars, and this is going to be the last time we see them in GTE form, probably the last time we see this shape at all in international racing at any kind of level will be next weekend at the Nürburgring with the GT8. It's, it's sad, isn't it? It's kind of sad when you get these moments where you know this is kind of the end for a car that's so special and has won so much. It's still beautiful. It really is. And, and I think speaking to some of the drivers and some of the people involved with the teams um, from TF and from Aston Martin Racing, they still think this car's capable of winning. And, and it is. It's still, you know, they haven't won in the WC this year, either effort, but they've come very, very close, haven't they? Well, here's a... You may, you may call her an old lady, Graham. But she has aged with dignity and class. She's a Sophia Loren in my book. And she's sexy. It could almost be Trudy. It really could. Fine wine. We're <laughs> Betty for that. <laughs> but here's, here's, the, here's the figure for you. This body style debuted with Aston Martin in 2004. Right. This car has had a 14 to 15 year competition uh, competition life. It is a quite staggering history for a remarkable motor it, car from a very small company. And it was my favorite back then and it is still my favorite today. Well, Wonder Buy as uh, our friends and hosts enjoy their conversation at very loud volume. To no great effect or interest from people on the pit lane, it should be said. Panis Bartes, Alicia Gibson. Then we get to, I'm sure, what must be two of your favourite cars, Jim Roller. Yes, it's the 63 and the 64. Now, you know what? On the weekend sports cars, we like an American. We've got one of our own, you know. <laughs> but there is something very special indeed about this effort. We'll just try and see whether or not we can make our way to the front. Hopefully the dinner bell or the other dinner horners are going to be uh, shown uh, during this. Uh, they've, got, they've still got the train whistle here that oh, yeah, marks dinner time. This will be, without a shadow of doubt, the last time we see a factory effort with a C7R here at the Le Mans. This 5.5 litre V8 gym rower. We're going to miss this one as well. Yeah, we are. This car will continue to race in the United States, of course, through the end of the season and look for mid-July for an announcement from General Motors as to what they're going to do next year. A lot of speculation. I think we're going to see the C8R come out. That's going to be a, a, a radically different car. It's going to be an absolutely fantastic machine, and I think you will see it back here at Le Mans. This is the 20th anniversary of this program. It's been very successful for Corvette. It's been very successful for General Motors. There is no reason under the sun that they shouldn't continue this program with whatever they decide to race. Well, we can see into the garage uh, there, the number 63 garage. Danny Binks and the crew working hard. Guys preparing the cars for the race ahead tomorrow. Lots of the cars will have had uh, race engines, race gearbox installed today. No drivers here. They'll all be downtown having a good time. But the mechanics, the technicians, the engineers, the crew chiefs, they're all here. And we're working hard until quite a lot later tonight. Uh, and doing so in the glare of the sun and in front of thousands of fans. I'm perfectly happy to stop doing what they're doing for five minutes and come and have a chat too. It's a wonderful part of the week. Yeah, it really is, isn't it? I mean, the fans always turn out to these pit walks. Even if it's a, a year where there's so much rain, you know, the weather's awful all week, you still get thousands of people turning up to get a good close look at this. And the spirit of this event is still here. 
you still get a really good bit of access to these cars, to these drivers, and it must be, mustn't, mustn't be forgotten about in an age of so many factory programs worldwide. Well, next up, Jackie Jandisi Racing and Jota Sports, two Orica 07 LMP2s for this team. They'll be back next year as well. Well, friend, uh, the crew chief, not here this weekend, but he's represented in cardboard form by the pit carriage. Another of our teams that are carrying a uh, decal for Marshall and Sabra. And uh, we'll have a look on these cars in a moment. We'll just duck under. We're more than welcome here, so we're going to do that here. And um, see where we can find... See where we can find the decals on the 37 and 38 car. Both cars being prepped for the race and both cars still in contention for the win for uh, the Le Mans 24 hours of course but also the World Endurance Championship LMP2 trophy just watch the training leads gentlemen and we'll see what we can find hello Mrs H we're very good and uh, just looking through next year big changes here one car will be under the Jackie Chan DC racing banner the other car will be under Jota Sports banner with the guys who just seen their car this year, the 31 Dragon Speed car. And the, good grief, it's, they, they are, there are some remarkably familiar faces in here. It just goes to show they don't forget their heritage here at Jota Sport. <laughs> Bit of grey there on that bare beard, Matt. Absolutely. But uh, you can see the back here of one of the Orica 07s, so that fantastic Gibson GK428. That's uh, been a key part since 2017 of what's been a real success worldwide, perhaps less so because of changes made to the regulations in IMSA racing, but certainly the World Endurance Championship in the European Le Mans series and next year, next season rather, in the Asia Le Mans series in this new LMP2 uh, category. Something around 30 cars in circulation, 20 of them here, and I believe from John Manchester at Gibson, close to... 35 of their 50 engines in circulation that are here at this circuit this weekend. That is absolutely fantastic. Those are stunning numbers. It shows how far this category has come. When they announced it years ago, I, I thought then it was going to be a winner. It has proven to be that. And these two cars that we're getting to enjoy looking at right now, I've got to be odds on favorites for tomorrow. Uh, they have They have performed very well. They're odds-on favorites to win the championship. And I'm really excited to see the Jota name back in the sport next year. We've seen a lot of great success from them. Uh, I don't think we'll see anything less than that next year. I agree. Uh, Sam Hignett and David Clark, the names behind the Jota Sports Empire. They've had success here at Le Mans, of course, in the past in the European Le Mans series. Now they're going hunting on the global scale uh, with the World Endurance Championship with their pair of Orica 07s, one of which will be, for the first time, entered under their own team name rather than the customer. Just looking to see what I can find. It is Jota Dunlop, 10th Le Mans together with the Dunlop tyres. And let's not forget that, by the way, because that's another key part of this, this LMP2 battle, gentlemen, is the battle between not just Orica and Delara and Ligier, but between Dunlop and, uh, and also between Michelin. And next year, we get, well, I want to say a new name, a returning name to the World Endurance Championship, because the Dunlop brand will be replaced by Goodyear.
that's got to make you feel pretty fuzzy inside your brother. Well, it does. I mean, Dunlap owns Goodyear, so that's just a, a natural transition to another one of the company's brands. But it's going to be great to see the Wingfoot logo uh, gracing international autosports again. Yet to be seen whether or not that might mean we're told that there is a new range of tyres for the Goodyear uh, Goodyear brand. And are they playing a bit of a flanker here? Does that mean they can restart the development cycle? Um, It is just a different brand, but it is a different brand. And it might well be that they get another three cracks at uh, breaking the puzzle that is an LMP2 tyre. Pace required, longevity required. Let's wait and see what emerges uh, from this effort. We're going to move on in just a moment to the Ford camp, which is next up. And uh, I'm just going to duck under here and have a quick look at these stunning five Ford GTs here, Jim Roller. Uh, Two entered under the Chip Ganassi Racing Team UK, the WC cars. Two from the US end, very familiar to you from the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship. And then the first ever... Uh, Privateer entered 4GT with Keating Motorsport Bill Riley on parade here with Ben Keating and what an array of beautiful heritage liveries they provided for us Oh, they have exactly Graham fans in the United States are going to be looking for that red white and blue livery but in fact we've got some stunning liveries as the 66 car commemorates the 1966 Ford victory in very deep blue and white the 67 car is much more traditional, uh, but it's it leaning towards the red and white. That was the 1967 Mark II winner, driven by A.J. Foyt and Dan Gurney. The 68 car is the tribute car to 2016. Uh, that is the traditional car that we're used to seeing. And then the final car, the 69 car, is close to the Gulf livery of the 69 car, but it is not, as that too is a little bit different. They're trying to kill two birds with one stone there. It's, it's actually matches the second place car yes. from 66. Of course, can't be wow, Gulf that's car true. because they're sponsored by Casserole. That's right. Uh, so it's the 66 car, the Ken Miles car, and of course, uh, later this year, we're going to see the Ford versus Ferrari film. That is having a bit of a teaser preview, free for the fans down in the Mon City Centre after the driver's parade this evening. Then we get to the Wins car. We're just going to let this lady here Which take her shot. another throwback livery. It is. This a- Wins livery is this beautiful purple uh, and orange and blue livery. Ben Keating has brought this car out. It's the first time that we've seen the Ford run in AM specifications. But fans in America will especially remember this Wins livery from drag racing, but also the old IMSA GTP 962s run by John Hotchkiss. It does look stunning, this purple in particular just pops as the wheel gun whirs and we're about to be treated to the sights here for the sounds on on this recording of the 91 Porsche team going through their paces with their practice pit stop. This is going to be a key part of what defines this great race. Remember? Oh, struggle there, struggle there. They're going to be, uh, at least one of those guys will be taken to the back of the garage and beaten heavily for that one. Well, with the GTLM cars this year, the bogey time is 35 seconds. That's how long it takes to fuel the cars. You're allowed to fuel and work on the cars at the same time now, so all the work needs to be done in under 35 seconds. Anything over that, you're giving up room, you're giving up yardage on the racetrack. 
these teams have even got special two-bolt removable brake discs. They've now gotten a brake disc change down so that they can get it done in under 35 seconds. The front brakes take a little bit less time than the rear brakes, but they are all confident they can get brake changes done, complete uh, disc and pad changes in under 35 seconds. That's stunning. Big effort being made here from Porsche. Uh, the two cars from Monti Racing uh, in the pro category in the WEC. Uh, those two cars, of course, in the offing for the Drivers' World Championship. Beyond them, the two core racing cars in their Brumos liveries. We've seen those liveries before, of course. And they're just taking turns to go through the paces this evening. We've got uh, those two crews still in contention, Stephen Kilby. Who do you fancy here? Obviously, Estre Christensen very much to the fore in terms of the points. Oh, definitely. And they're going to be helped out by none other than Lawrence Vantor, who I've heard is pretty quick. I'd expect them to be right up the front of, of just this race overall in GT Pro, as well as in the WEC standings for all the full season entrants. I mean, the odds are in their favour at this point. They really are. Um, unless there's some real drama, it looks like it's, it's their day. Yep, let's wait and see. Uh, they've been strong, hugely strong last year. Helped a little, of course, by that uh, early safety car that gave the winning crew the opportunity. I do apologise about the uh, PA. Not much we can really do about it here. But uh, hopefully it's not uh, blasting you out too much. We'll wander on and past Porsche World. Back down into the pit lane. Yeah, they're, well, they're, they're clearly having a good time. On past the uh, Porsche bits, waiting for Jim Roller to catch up with us. Into Europol, the, uh, well, the first team in the modern era who've been flagged with proudly with the Polish flag. Project One will be back next year. wandering here to have a quick look at the Project One car, another of the art car efforts here, the 56 car and we'll go into the sanctuary of their garage for a moment or two where of course there's music rather than uh, well I'm sure what is thrilling conversation but not helping us to get through a podcast this is the project. Now we've entered the disco. Absolutely. <laughs> project One, the 56 car, leads the championship coming into the final round, uh, the Le Mans 24 hours. And of course, as you said earlier in the show, Jim, this is unique. This is the first time that this World Endurance Championship has been decided at the Le Mans 24 hours. It is the end of the longest World Championship season in history in any form of motorsport, close to 18 months. Better still, though, Project One made a determination they're going to be back next year but better still again with two cars. So it'll be a two-car effort from the most successful single-make Porsche racing team on the planet. This is their 25th anniversary celebration of that. And this car uh, brought to the World Endurance Championship in, in uh, partnership with another team you'll be very familiar with, Park Place Motorsport. Yes, the Park Place guys have been quite popular and quite successful in the United States. Patrick Lindsay 
the man behind that operation, and he's on board this car. Project One may not be a household name in the United States, but these guys are the consummate winners when it comes to racing Porsches. People like Manti and Flying Lizard and stuff like that get a lot of exposure from the media. Project One is the one that's been getting it done for 25 years, and they're celebrating that with even some Project 25 banners around as part of the celebration of their time in the sport. Quite correctly so, uh, indeed, as uh, hopefully the fun and games on the piers uh, cool down just a little. Talked already about the uh, the SMP Racing BR1 AER cars and that extraordinary performance from the 17 car in qualifying that in more or less any other year uh, before the total TSO 50 would have earned the Russian team pole position third will have to do for the moment let's see what they can actually do from the off tomorrow second of the Dolores and will be the only Dolores in the World Endurance Championship next year the Settler racing car will transfer after this race from the uh, tutelage of Valorba Corsa to AF Corsa for the World Championship season uh, the proudly Italian team the G-Drive Aris, it is an Orica by another name, will be a factor tomorrow for sure. 28, the TDS Racing Orica Gibson inherited pole position after a fumble from Graf Racing, Vincent Capillaire, the pantomime villain, I'm afraid, uh, missed the Weybridge. They lost their pole position time. That was a heavy penalty for that mistake. And a car we will be seeing for the last time for a while is next up. It's the number four, Enzo Gibson. Uh, not Enzo Ferrari, but Enzo Gibson. <laughs> Certainly not. Absolutely. Uh, this is the Bicolas car and have announced that they will not be entering a full season of World Endurance Racing uh, next season. So we will be missing out on seeing the, well, how can we put this, red-hot performance that we often see from the, uh, the Bicolas car. Well, it seems that they've been able to make their Gibson engines last a little bit longer than the SMP guys. Perhaps that's because they're rebellion, not pushing them. Rebellion, quite, rebellion. They, yeah, the rebellion guys. Thank you. Um, perhaps that's because they're not quite pushing them as hard. Not really quite getting the speed, as we said. Another team we won't be seeing back is Labra Competition. Their number 50, Ligier Effort, is here for its swan song in the World Endurance Championship. They don't feature on the eight-car list for the Le Mans, uh, for the FIWC next season either. That was one of the few surprises for me because Labra has been part of the ACO and the WEC for as long as I can remember. They have, have long supported everything that the ACO has been involved in. And so, to me, it was a little bit surprising if they aren't showing up in some category. Perhaps that's one of those cars that we're going to see coming in and out of the series in whatever form, whether that be a GT program, uh, a privateer GT program, or something in LMP2. That's just total speculation on my part. Well, wonder by another couple of the P2 teams, the uh, Orica Gibson of Graf Racing. They won't be very happy after losing that pole position. Duquesne Engineering coming on strong with their Orica. The departing BMWs. Uh, Au revoir. Uh, bye. Shame. Uh, Golf Racing, they will be back, and they'll be bringing back the Golf Colors on their 86 Porsche 911 RSR. Mike Wainwright's team will return, as will Christian Reed's team, and we'll just pop uh, in here if we possibly can. 
Because uh, this is where there's been a bad news story for this championship. Or rather, this, uh, this end of the championship, the end of the uh, great race, was due to be four cars from the Dempsey Proton Racing Squad. It will be three. And again, we're just going to pop into one of the garages here to get a bit of peace and quiet from the, uh, from the PA. Of course, Patrick Dempsey was awarded the Spirit of the Race. He was indeed. By Le Mans this year. Well, I've done a lot for raising awareness of this great race and uh, of the World Endurance Championship. We get the back of the main pit. This is the WEC uh, pit for the Dempsey Proton racing team. And astoundingly, one of the amazing stories of this race and of this championship has been the number 77 car. It's been a topsy-turvy year. They've won five of the races so far this year, but then lost the points, Stephen Kilby, in a controversy um, after Fuji. Uh, only to fight back and be back in championship contention from a nil score halfway through the season. Christian Reed, I think, is surprised as much as everyone else that they're still in contention here. He said to me a few weeks back, they're not expecting anything, you know, but if there is a bit of drama, and this season's had plenty of drama in GTM, they could pull it off, couldn't they? Well, they could. It's a race that produces drama and produces drama plenty. Christian has seen plenty of that, and of course, he's part of the crew that won this race last year so coming back as defending champions at Le Mans they are in contention for a championship win overall in the FIWC's GT and category next door we've got the two customer cars so these cars all earn their positions uh, in this field through success at Le Mans in the World Endurance Championship in the LMS sadly though the car next door is one we're not going to see in the race so it is still a record entry but it's not going to be 62 cars, it's going to be 61. And we get the, uh, the last semblance of chrome green paint is coming off the number, what was the, 80, the 99 car. This will revert to being the 88 car in the European Le Mans series when next we're out uh, racing in the European series. But uh, that all happened, Jim Roller, through dramas uh, in practice for Tracy Chrome. Yeah, unfortunately, he was, uh, came upon a slower car and was caught out by that slower car. He missed the white flags and unfortunately rode off the front of the car and he was uh, uh, cleared from the hospital but not cleared to race. They want him to take at least a couple weeks off before he gets back in a racetrack. I think that's smart. Tracy's 67 years of age. Um, when, you're, when you're that age, I have a lot of respect for everything he's done, so this is not a criticism in any way, shape, or form. But I, I'm going to be 60 in October, and I know that if I fall down or I do something, it takes me a lot longer to, for the bruise to heal and for me to feel fine. Tracy took one hell of a lick. And he's got it. He was complaining about how sore he was. So I think it's very prudent that he takes a couple of weeks off. I think you look pretty good for 69. Was it 60? Oh, self out. Ooh, ah. I was going to say, I can't believe you're over 40, Jim. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> but that means the end of a fine run, an amazing run of consecutive appearances here by Tracy yes. and by Nick Johnson. And that's the saddest part of this. He has had success in the race, he's been on the podium, not lately. Uh, but uh, yeah it was a big big impact on the Hanaudier 
uh, between the two chicanes and uh, uh, sad to see this car be back in the truck before we get to racing tomorrow it will not therefore be a record 62 car entry but a record 61 car entry the final car um, in the Deputy Proton fleet is the number 78 car this will be entered under the Proton competition banner APM Monaco an all Monegasque crew uh, this is a one-off for Le Mans uh, the team hoping to bring this car back into uh, competition later in the season in Shanghai uh, rather early in the uh, next season in Shanghai but again uh, these are gentlemen with Hans and Ambriel and the father and son Philippe and Louis Brett uh, Louis also doing double duty in the Ferrari Challenge races here uh, this weekend this is the dream this is exactly what this is for some of these um, gentlemen as well as professional racers this is the dream to come here on the biggest stage in world motorsport and just take part in this race too. and it's Patrick Dempsey in many ways paying it forward he was able to live his dream he came here and performed performed quite well now he's the team owner and he's providing that opportunity for the Perret family and uh, Avril all from Monaco we were joking earlier there's like 50 drivers from Monaco in the race he says tongue-in-cheek there aren't that many but there's probably more Monegasques in this race than I've ever seen five Monegasques in the race and a sixth and a very famous one at that uh, with um, with Stefan Ortelli the driver coach of this trio and great to see Stefan back the 1998 overall winner let's not forget not quite finally we come to what have to be the favourites of the race and a great view from here of the extraordinarily complex front end of these Toyota TSO 50s this is the number 8 car, this is the championship leading car, this is the favourite for this race, Girola what are you expecting? Well all they have to do is finish 7th or better to clinch the championship now remember that the P2 cars count in that being 7th or better so there is the possibility for them to to drop that far but I don't think unless there's a calamity early in the race that that's going to happen but anything can happen in this race as we saw to poor Mike Conway in qualifying when he tore the front end off the number 7 car so anything could possibly happen Stephen, you've been uh, well with the World Endurance Championship for much of the hybrid era and certainly at every race for the last 2 or 3 years it's not been the closest battle uh, in World Endurance Championship history uh, this, this season, but there's no denying these are astonishing machines. They really are. They really are. We'll be sad to see them go. But luckily, we've got another season to witness the TSO 50s in all their glory. And if you're a fan and you've never seen an LMP1 hybrid, I urge you to come to a race next year because they're astonishing and they're not going to be around for much longer. We're not going to see their like again for a very, very long time. The hypercars are going to be great. They're going to be spectacular looking. They're not going to have the raw pace and the violence under acceleration that we've seen from this astonishing breed of hybridised LMP1 cars. Finally, as we come to the end of pit lane and uh, before we take a couple of the comments that we've had from uh, listeners for the weekend sports car we've got the new granny annex the temporary pits pits a and b uh, in the tutelage here of richard dean and his uh, fine team at uh, united autosports the 22 and the 32 uh, these guys are expected to do well with both cars alex brundle will owen ryan cullen in the 32 but felipe albuquerque phil hansen 
and Paul de Resta in the 22. That, for me, has got to be one of the standout favourites uh, for this race. It's my dark horse in the class. Well, on the podium last year with one of these cars, after the uh, shenanigans that befell the TDS-run cars, and, uh, we're going to wander away from pit lane and past the stunning array of safety cars and leading cars, the Porsche 911 cars on one side, the Panameras on the other side, the intervention cars and medical cars, the extrication KMs. Um, it's, it's a fleet of cars that is required uh, to deal with the unique qualities, the length, the speed of this outstanding circuit, Jamola. Well, and they've actually instituted some new things this year, the full course yellow, which is going to not be with safety cars. It's going to be a virtual yellow, and I think that is an absolutely outstanding addition. I think it's going to help take away some of that luck of the draw that you get when you you, know, you don't know which of the safety cars you're going to get behind. You don't know whether the, the other safety cars, just because of chance or uh, letting their car, you know, letting the cars that are behind them go earlier than you're allowed to go. So uh, the virtual yellow is going to help. That and the slow zones are going to change the face of the way this race is run for a positive way, I think. We're doing something we've not been able to do on a Friday before because the new access road, because of those new pits, now goes outside the module sportif. And we're just going to lean against the pit wall. Why not in the sunshine in the late afternoon here at the Le Mans 24 Hours just to go through a couple of the, uh, the points that... Uh, some of the listeners of the weekend sports cars have popped into us through reddit through twitter through the facebook pages um what do we expect for this race do we expect to actually see a race in lmp1 is that aot going to be enough to make enough of a difference to put over a race distance the uh, the non-hybrids in contention i think if the gibson can hold together yes i think that's the key i think the smp cars will be quick but I think the Rebellion shows a little bit more speed, and I think if they can hold that engine together, then they will be competitive for the entire 24 hours, and it will be a hell of a race. I think for me, uh, the key to it is can they stay close for long enough to put the Totas under some pressure, because the key to this race is going to be can the Totas stay reliable. If there's an issue for, the, for one or other Totas, and you, you see the opportunity for one of the uh, the privateer cars to get into contention and let's just remember what happened here a couple of years ago with the LMP2 cars the one thing that lost those cars the race is they didn't have the pace to defend from a charging hybrid these cars as we saw yesterday over a single lap and over a number of laps in a qualifying stink patently do Stephen you've been watching all season we've had some let's face it not very inspiring LMP1 races it feels a bit different it really does it really does LMP1 the hybrid versus non-hybrid battle hasn't been what it, I think it could have been if they'd have gone a bit to more extreme lengths of VOT. But at the same time, it's so hard to expect these privateers to be able to go up against such a Goliath like Toyota. It really is. Um, that's the joy of 24-hour racing, though. You, you really don't know. And as Jim pointed out earlier, the accident in qualifying with the Dragon Speed car for the 7 shows you that these cars can... Things can go wrong for these cars. Um, so whether or not it'd be great to pray for this to happen it's, it's not something that anyone would wish but if we've got a race on Sunday morning into the afternoon it's going to be really exciting that's P1, P2 whole different ball game, three different chassis out there, the Ligier the Dallara and of course the Orica 07s plus the rebadged Aris and Alpines uh, with the Orica's by another name 
On top of that, of course, we've then got the tyre battle and we're, we're not expecting much by way of adverse weather, but that could throw a curveball and uh, make a big difference as well. But that uh, class for me uh, does look like it could get very tasty and don't think for a second that it's going to be an Orica walkover. Oh, no way. I think Liget is in with a shout. I think uh, you've got, as I said, the 22 is my dark horse. They were on the podium a year ago. I think attrition is going to take its toll in that class a, a little bit just because of sheer numbers. Uh, I might be wrong on that, but I think you're going to see some of the cars, because there is so much pressure on everyone to perform, that they may make some mistakes early. You can't win the race in the first hour, but you sure can lose it. And I think that that is going to be one of those things that will ultimately decide what happens in the class. And that is who, it's, it's almost, yes, it's wide open and it's fast, but it is a little bit like old time endurance racing in that he who deals with his problems quickest will win the race. Stephen, we've been privileged to watch the World Endurance Championship and uh, their LMP2 battle. Perhaps even more so, though, the battle over the last couple of seasons in the European Le Mans series with unparalleled depth in the, uh, in the LMP2 field. You looking forward to this one? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. The ELMS LMP2 field brings so much to this race. It really does. There's some quality teams that I think a lot of the people in the stands and a lot of people listening to this podcast may not have seen race before and may underestimate. And I think the key is we've got strength in numbers up and down the order. We've got some really, really good drivers in there. So it's a bit of a lottery, and I love that. I think we talked earlier about the Asian Le Mans series and what it has brought to this sport. I think specifically the European Le Mans series has brought more to P2 than it has anywhere else because in the European Le Mans series, that's the number one category. So they race for the overall win, and they have become much stronger because of that, I think. 19 cars we had at uh, Monza last time out for the European Le Mans series. We won down uh, because we had the uh, Settler Racing guys with us there uh, next time out. We'll come to the, the GT Pro Class in a moment because that is, I think I'm right in saying, gentlemen, completely different gravy. But uh, GTM is another class with strength in depth. Ferraris, Porsches, Aston Martins and the, and the Solo Ford. And what we saw throughout track action over the last couple of days was the gaps compressing and teams that perhaps had struggled a little bit in day one on track coming to the fore uh, later on in day two, in particular the golf racing car, Thomas Prining, finding speed there, that is a young man with a hell of a future, and the Ford. The Ford looked nowhere in the test day and looked nowhere in the first knockings of the, uh, of the track action here, but then all of a sudden Jerome Blakemolen uh, got in and filed, uh, you know, basically it's just seemed to unlock the code. Jerome is not only a great coach for Ben Keating, he is one of the best development drivers in the world. And give him a couple of days with a car, he's going to get that beast figured out. And it looks like that may be the case here. This is going to be wide open. I think it's going to be Porsches to lose, but, you know, it's, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't go down to the betting shop with that. For the race, uh, Stephen Kilby, Porsche, Ferrari, Aston Martin, Ford. <laughs> It, it's hard to pick isn't it it really is in, in the AM category of course yes yeah and then the variety is fantastic um, and it looks like it's going to be pretty equal footing once we get into it I, I really am going to struggle to pick a manufacturer that's going to take the crown and it's even harder to pick a specific team um, you've got to say Porsche at this point but 
this an air of positivity around the Aston guys to bring that old vantage home with one more win. For me, if it's going to be an Aston Martin, I dearly hope that Paul Dallana uh, can actually finally get the win I think he sorely deserves here. He's been a great supporter for the sport. He's been a great supporter for that class. He'll be back with a new car next year, as indeed will TF Sports. So two new Aston Martins on that list of 33. So I hope very much that he actually does it. Deep breath, gentlemen, because for me, this is the big one. GTE Pro, 17 cars stacked with factory uh, drivers in every single car or factory quality drivers in the one or two that don't have them. Um, it's difficult to pick. Well, it's almost like you pick from the bottom and work your way up. But even doing that, you end up well into double figures of teams of drivers that, that can, should and deserve to win this great race, Jim. That's a fact. Um, the C7R, that's where my heart is. All of those guys are my friends. That's the last race for that car. It's been four years since that car, since Corvette Racing has won here. That's the longest drought they've had since they started coming here 20 years ago. And also my heart's with Aston Martin because that's what I've always aspired to own. And I just love those cars. And I would just love to see them win as well. Um, My head tells me it's probably going to be Porsche. GT Pro, Stephen. It's it's so difficult. It really is. And we saw in qualifying last night, I think it was five makes in the top five. The BOP looks the best it's been at this race for years. And that is going to make this race stunning. The fans trackside, whether we get a race or not up front, are going to be loving this GT Pro battle. And for me, Porsche again is really hard to get past. Ford though... With the might they've got in their drivers and the, the mix of youth and experience, the you know the drive they've got to finish that program on a high, I think they can do it. But there's so many storylines here, it's really hard to pick. I think the one thing that falls down for me, it's one man's opinion, I'm sure I'm wrong, the Ford driver lineup is full of sprint car racers, sprint guys who race in single-seat sprint races, go fast, the endurance factor is just something that that all of those cars uh, have never really been able to wrap their arms around here wait and see my view on this one my view on this one it's i always try to find a kind of mental picture uh, for something like this the best i can come up with is 17 angry dogs in a mixed martial arts octagon um just set on each other and being told one of you wins the stake and that for me is what it feels like here massive respect between these crews all of them there's real friendliness real needle of the the nicest possible way with uh, with this gt pro uh, uh, squad i think what we're going to see is what we've seen every single year in the modern era we're going to see groups of two three four and five cars banging wheels on them on the mall's down we're going to see outbreaking maneuvers into the chicanes that will make you wince behind the mic you and i uh, jim uh, you know in the tv booth you Stephen, in the press room i think we're going to see that throughout in the night i think we're going to see a mistake or two i think we're going to see heartbreak for one or two cars puncture here suspension problem there as we've seen before and i think we're going to get a grandstand finish i don't know who's going to be in that grandstand finish but I think we're going to see a grandstand finish. Why? Because it just feels that way. You could say a lot about the prospects for the 2019 Le Mans 24 Hours. If you're one of those guys that is concentrating simply on the fact you've got a dominant Toyota effort here with no factory, uh, no factory opposition for the overall, 
guys, you're missing out because I'm telling you right here, that's not what it feels like in this pit lane. It's not what it feels like in that paddock. It's not what it feels like in that press room. And it's absolutely fundamentally not what it feels like in that TV booth. We're looking forward to a spectacular 2019 Le Mans 24 hours. And I'm going to go for some final thoughts to both Jim Roller, and thank you for joining us. It's been a delight having you, Jim, with this one, and to Stephen Kilby. And again, thanks, Stephen, for filling in for our good friend Marshall Pruitt, who's taking care of his lovely wife, Chabral. And get well soon, Chabral. There's a huge amount of goodwill for you here at the Le Mans 24 Hours. First to you, Jim Roller. Well, if the late, great Steve Evans was here, he'd say, Sunday, 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 it's the super season finale, the GTE Pro-Am cage match. And that's what it's going to be, friends. Was he, was he American by any chance? <laughs> yes, he was. He was He was the NHRA announcer that made Sunday, Sunday, Sunday famous. We miss you, Marshall. Get well, Chabrol. My final thought is going to be a question to you, Jim, and to you, Graham, before we finish up talking about GT Pro. Yes, it is all my own hair. <laughs> well, that. And the fact that this feels a really special year for GT Pro with the 17-car entry we've got. Will it ever get back to this point? We've got factories leaving. Is this the peak or will it be back? I hope so. Um, World economy will dictate that, but I hope so. Yes and no. Yes, it will be back. No, it won't be GTE Pro. If it goes right, if they get the sums right, if they get the customer care right, if they get the return on investment right, if they do everything right, Hypercar could just be that. Could just be that. The best news for me, by the way, today wasn't just that Aston Martin said they're coming with at least two cars, which, by the way, means more than two. Um, It was the fact that they're also recommitting or continue to commit to GTE Pro. So that that programme will not be replacing GTE Pro. It will be an addition to it. I think the signs are now that manufacturers are beginning to think this could just be what we need. This could be just be what we need to actually show our brand one of the greatest stages in the world. Make no mistake, whatever else is going to go on in this uh, wacky world of ours in the next 12 months, we will be back here. I hope we'll all be back here in 12 months' time. Um, for this great race, we'll be talking about some of the same issues with some different personalities, some different cars. But it's always exciting. Whatever the race uh, doles out in terms of the overall result, there is always racing to savour throughout the great race. And we are going to be privileged, gentlemen, to be trackside uh, for all 24 hours, including the run-up to it and including the opportunity to analyse it afterwards. I hope you'll join us for that um, on the weekend sports cars. And I'm hoping we can have Marshall back uh, next week for that while uh, I'm down at the Nürburgring for, guess what, another 24-hour race. My 76th 24-hour race that will be. Um, for now, at the end of uh, what's been a wonderful afternoon of uh, wandering down a pit lane, with apologies that there's not been too much by way of direct question answering, but we have weaved most of your points you wanted us to cover into what's been a, a amble down uh, back uh, up and down this pit lane i'm going to say good evening uh, with thanks again to the great folks at cooper tires with thanks of course to the wonderful folks at the justice brothers and with particular th- thanks uh, this week at the mon to genetic cars remember uh, new lmp3 car available if you've got that kind of money from garthy from west yorkshire if you fancy being a part of an lmp1 program whether or not that's as a sponsor a backer or anything else i'm sure they'd love to hear from you as well team lnt are coming back to the world endurance championship in 2019 2020 and they've got two lmp1s 
bringing out from Yorkshire to battle there with them. Good night from me. Get well soon, Chabral. We'll see you soon, Marshal Perrett.